So welcome to another episode. And this one is going to be very special. I promise you that because you see these two beautiful people sitting here in front of us. So again, during the times like these, you know, we need somebody, you know, a professional, a pro in their space who can help us, you know, to expand the business, maybe expand the mind and just do better in the, these times where there's a lot of uncertainty. So I know those two people are going to help us tremendously today. So first of all, I want to introduce you to David and Erica. Both came from the traditional financial planning backgrounds. David worked as a stockbroker and Erica specialized in retirement planning and pension plans. Multiple experiences on each side began to expose issue with the traditional systems that prevent individual clients from achieving true prosperity. Couldn't agree more with that. Both David and Erica left their original companies to partner on an individual platform, allowing them to utilize Fortune 500 companies and choose each one as need for specific client needs. With both David and Erica having interest and shallow background in real estate investing, they each began diving into that world more in their own financial lives. The interest grew into passion and true belief that real estate is how true prosperity cash flow is built. They decided to partner with one another and their shares beliefs to launch a firm that not only encourages, but enhances real estate investing. So as you see here from this uh, long bio, which is actually, it's not that long, but it's, I love that. I love definitely the sound of it. And I think a lot of people love the way it sounds as well. So I'm just very happy to have you on today on the show. Just go through a, a bunch of great topics. So first of all, I want to say a big thank you for being on the show today. Thanks thank for having you. us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. So listen, let's, let's maybe just dive in into how did you discover, like, why did you choose to go to the financial planning background? I mean, like, how did you transition and where do you had this thought, like, I need to go into financial services? I don't know if you start, if, if we give the ladies first. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, go ahead, ladies first. Yeah. Um, so me, actually, I, I did not start in finance. I actually started out pre-med and started down uh, getting my, my degree in biology. And I was actually applying for med school when a series of life decisions that I made put me in a position where 10 years of medical school was no longer on the table. And so I, I had my first child very young. Anyway, um, I transitioned and was looking for something that I wanted to, I just, I wanted, I've always been a person like, I want to bring value to other people. Um, and I stumbled across finance. And to me, that was kind of a, a really scary, but interesting field because my family, I love them, but they don't really know much about finance. And I think most people in their families feel the same way. So I thought, you know, I need to go learn about this. And if I can learn and digest and, you know, be able to educate other people in this arena, then what better way to add value if I can't, you know, fix their physical health? Well, maybe I can fix their financial health, which is important as well. So uh, went into, you know, the finance and economics route, loved it. I was the nerd, like on the front row that read the chapter before the class started. And I just realized how fascinating and just incredible the finance world is and what people need to know about it. Yeah, sounds great. What do you, what do you think, David? What got you into, into the financial service? Is it the same? Is it, is it the Rich Dad Poor Dad book? Um, well, it's a little bit, little bit different. So I grew up in a very um, poor household, um, really didn't have a lot of money. Um, and my parents struggled a lot. I was one of those kids who, uh, while the other kids basketball, you know, they got basketball shoes, Air Jordans. I got Voights from Payless. So, um, you know, it was one of those, right? But I was thankful that my parents, you know, were, you know, took care of me and all that. But I always had a yearning to not be in the same position as them. So I've always, I always was interested in, in finance. And um, so really just went to school for it, went to Texas A&M, got a degree in business and finance, got right into traditional um, a traditional firm. I started out as a stockbroker trading stocks and uh, just kind of worked my way into the traditional financial world. Um, and then we'll get into this a little bit more later, but just saw some of the inefficiencies with it and transitioned more into, um, you know, an independent platform so that I can actually, you know, be a little bit more less hogtied or I'm not hogtied, but freed up to be able to, you know, help a client instead of just, 
you know, feeding them whatever the company was telling me to feed them in, in their product line. So, yeah. so yeah, I've always, always had a passion for finance just to be that financial free, you know, to be financially free and not worry and stress about bills. So, yeah. Yeah. And particularly like in this place that where the flag stands like the, you know, it's, yeah. it's pretty much capitalistic country and money is preached all the time. Right. Everybody talks about it openly, quite openly. It's not like in the Europe, mm -hmm. you know, people, hate about talking that stuff. It's just like religion or politics or, you know, those type of things. But what do you see like uh, going through your personal experiences, like in financial industry where, where people make the, the biggest mistakes when it comes to, you know, their personal financial, you know, you know, uh, personal, personal finances. I think uh, I'll answer that. Erica. I think the biggest mistake is that, the, the, the consumer themselves are, are, they're flooded with so much noise of what's good, what's bad, right? And they don't really have a clear strategy on how um, to position themselves, you know, to be efficient with all of these financial tools. I think that, um, you know, a lot of people hear how this product's bad, this product's good, and, and they don't really understand that, you know, there's not a bad financial product. What there, what there really is bad is there's bad strategy, bad implementation of that product and not understanding how to utilize it. So I think what that's done is that's caused a lot of people to really just invest off of hope without strategy, right? Hope that they save enough, hope the market does well, hope that they retire in a, in a position, you know, where they have enough money for to live off of and, and hope that they don't run out of money, right? And, and hope is, is not good for not a strategy. financial strategy, right? It might be good for, you know, football, right? We're, you know, from Dallas, so hope is definitely good for the Cowboys, right? God knows they need it, um, but not good for financial planning, right? So I think that that's where people lose sight. And you've got your neighbor telling you to do this. You've got your Edward Jones guy telling you to do Fox this. All this, yeah, all this information, and I think that 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 there's so much out there that people are really missing sight of really honing in on each product and what type of job they do and how to position themselves to take it, you know, to ride the up, and then when it's down, to actually even take advantage of that and opportunities as well. So how how somebody who is watching this interview right now thinking like, okay, that sounds great. That means that I, I can solve that problem. So is is the solution kind of go for them to the financial planner or there's some sort of a, I don't know, book, some type of, you know, material information that they can learn themselves and kind of make smart decisions when it comes to financial well-being? So that, I'm just going to say yes to all of that. Um, yeah. now, and what I'll say is, and it's going to kind of piggyback off what David was mentioning, when you're talking to, you know, the financial planner, we have to make sure that we understand what what is their specialty what where are they coming from and i and i am in no way shape or form again like david said there's no such thing as a bad tool and i think most people in finance are out there to do good there's no real malice intent but in my in my experience the first firm that i worked for and what i came to find was when you go work for company abc you were then forced or told right to sell product abc Mm -hmm. So these large box for box firms teach their representatives, their, you know, advisors. I didn't really know for the first two or three years of my career, did not know how to plan anything, but I sure knew how to sell that company's product. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and that's not trying to shame or put down anybody, but it's just when you're going and talking to somebody, you need to look at what is their, what is their MO? What is their um, planning platform? Again, David and I, we went, we were at two different firms and we both left and most people at our firm, Integrity Financial, they all left these big box firms and we left because of that proprietary push, right? Forcing us down a, down a road, but being on an independent platform, we can pick and choose. So looking at the credibility and the background and the platform of whoever you're, you know, consoling in and looking for advice from, that is key. Also, there are a lot of educational pieces out there online. There are courses, there are books, there are articles. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resort back to consider the source and consider the information. Yeah. Right. I've, I've come to find out that not everything we read on the internet is true. Who knew, right? Whoa, shock. Big shock. <laughs> I know. So spoiler alert, everybody. Not everything on the internet's true. Uh, but when you're reading and you're trying to understand some, it, whether it be a, um, a specific investment strategy or a specific product or whatever it may be, um, consider the source that you're getting your information from. 
-hmm. And feel free to cross-reference that information with multiple sources that yeah. don't, right, they're unbiased. Um, but I would, I guess, back to, your, back to your question, is there information out there? Yes, there is so much information out there. Consider your source. Be mindful of, you know, where is this information coming from? Is it coming from experience? Is it coming from a sales pitch? Or, mm -hmm. you know, is this somebody who really has my best interest? Yeah. Exactly. That, that's super important. So I, I love again, thanks for thanks for sharing that because right now with what's going on with the coronavirus and it's not even in the States, but all over the world, people noticed how, how bad they were with, with their financial planning. It's like, oh my God, I have no savings because I, I wasn't planning that I'm going to stay at home for two months. Yeah. So, and I, I think, you know, those type of moments is going to show people like, because I know people look, the consumerism is real and people are going to go back to their own bad habits, you know, spending money once this is going to be over, which is hopefully going to be soon. But people are going to go back to their, to their habits because it's hard to break those consumer habits, right? But again, the material is out there. But what, what Erica is saying, just find the right material, which maybe, I don't know, at the end, maybe you can give some links that we can input, you know, in the description so people can go and, and get some real, uh, you know, information that they can you know understand what's really going on with the finances or where should they invest so you know talking about investing you know when people should make that type of decision about should i invest you know because you mentioned there's a lot of tools in the toolbox right mm -hmm. so where should i invest like what what i should do with my money let's say if i have you know 10k should i be thinking about investing into stock market or you know real estate you know all these different vehicles or there's some certain threshold when i should start thinking about investing yeah, so that's a that's a good question. I want to take a, just a, a step back and kind of just uh, continue with what Erica was saying. I think that the the main thing that is important on before you dive into material and and start reading on all these specifics, because again, that's you're going to get into so much. I think you have to take a step back and you have to understand fundamentally what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish and what are and what are all things that are important. I think that. When we really break it down, there's two human emotions that drive everything that we do financially. It's greed and fear, right? And then you can see it all over. So when it's when the market's up and we're all on a high, you can see we've talked to everybody of the last few years and everybody's on this comfortably numb kind of high, right? Everything's just so good. And it's that greed aspect. And now you've got the this, you know, everything dropped, the coronavirus. Now it's switched to fear and there's a paralysis there. And so I think that we have to kind of understand where that's coming from. And I think so many people focus on rate of return. And, and while rate of return is a key aspect to investing, people lose sight of mitigating wealth eroding factors. They lose sight of having liquidity for opportunity funds when there is an opportunity that arises. They miss sight of the whole picture financially because they hone in on, on that rate of return. What's going to give me the highest rate of return? Mm -hmm. And you could, you, you're never going to out-return any sort of tax increases, any sort of coronavirus market drop or anything like that. So I think fundamentally you have to kind of take a step back and say, okay, how am I actually positioning my financial tool bag where I am investing in, and I have my accumulation tools but I also have my tools that are my liquidity tools, my protection tools, my tools that are going to allow me to, while this side is down and it's not doing well, that's okay because now I can use this side, this other pocket to now go and take advantage of opportunities. And I think that's where it's really just taking a step back and say, okay, what are the tools that are our accumulation tools? What are the protection tools? And then what are the tools that I can start to, to build liquidity safely and protect against hyperinflation that's coming as well too. So you kind of have to, it's, it's, it's really, and I think that who do you talk to? Cause if you go to Edward Jones, Edward Jones is going to sell you mutual funds. So if you, if you analyze your, your financial tool bag and you say, okay, I want to position myself with some mutual funds. That's who you go talk to. Right, because he's going to sell you mutual funds. Um, you know, so if you go to people that are working specifically for those types of firms, that's what they're trained to sell you. If you really want to talk to somebody who has a broad spectrum, you really want to find a wealth strategist. And that's where Erica and I, what we call ourselves, we are not driven by a, what I call a big Titanic ship, right? The, the Goldman Sachs, the Schwabs, right? That just yeah. kind of move everything. Yeah. Um, we, we are open to all of the, the financial tools available. So what that does is that allows us to kind of just take a step back and just help a client 
right? Understand what each category is, what tools are do the right job, and then we can help them actually shop the marketplace, find the best investment. But I think fundamentally, talk to a wealth strategist who can say, okay, first you need to understand a foundation first, just because it's just like building a home, right? When you build a home, most important thing is the foundation, right? Because if we build it on a crappy foundation, the home's going to fall. Same thing with our financial life, right? We have to have an understanding fundamentally. And I think that's where most people miss out is they try to build, 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 and they don't have a financial tool bag that's going to keep them fundamentally sound through the ups and downs. So I think it's just talking to somebody that understands that, understands these cycles, can help them get a gauge on, one, there's no bad financial product. Get that out of your head that there's a bad financial product. There, these were not created. There was no tool specifically created to say, this is going to be a bad product, right? It's for a specific reason, but because people so focus on the rate of return, they lose sight of the valuableness of other tools that aren't the accumulation tools, but protect and give them opportunity funds. So yeah, take a step back, talk to a wealth strategist who can really help you gauge the understanding of the products and then position themselves to be fundamentally sound and then build on that. And then when you do understand, like David said, there are so many different jobs out there. Like you said, accumulation is one. And that is something that, again, fear and greed, people get really, really greedy and they want to accumulate and grow. And then when the market's bad, they get fearful and they pull every, you know, they pull everything out. And that's, it's very polar. There's not much um, stability or balance in their, in their planning process. So when you're talking to a wealth strategist or somebody who really understands what the fundamentals of money are and can explain to you all of, all of the different jobs that you're actually going to need to accomplish right now in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, then you as the client, as the person in need, will be able to sit back and think, okay, I need to perform X, Y, and Z job. Here are the tools that I need to do that. And it's not a matter of, hey, you're being sold a product. You're saying, no, I need to accomplish this job and I need the tool to fulfill that. So I guess back to your question, what should they be investing in? You need to figure out what you're trying to accomplish first, right? Because like David said, there's no such thing as a bad tool. But if you're trying to cut a piece of wood in half and you go out and get a hammer, probably not going to work out that well. So be aware of what you're actually trying to accomplish before you go and put your money in anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I totally agree with you, with you uh, said, David, with, you know, Goldman Sachs and, you know, the rest of the banks just pushing their products, you know, and, you know, the other financial companies just selling that, you know, because it's all about, for them, it's all about making money. They just have to make sales. They have to, because they're running a business, right? And that's how, how business operates, how much sales you can make. But at the same time, look, they have no intention of helping the people who really need help. And that's why I love what you're just doing by switching that, going from financial, first of all, to wealth you know wealth planner which you know yes. i'm like whoa i want to be part of that that sounds you know like i don't want to manage my finances i want to create wealth yes. and i think and i think that's why people are watching this episode because you know like nobody wants to manage you know the the you know the dollars one dollar ten dollars like everybody wants to live this good life that right now they see like on social media so everybody see you know people like because now it's again it's a great time like with, with yeah. what's going on and again all these financial tools that we have available it's phenomenal people can create wealth in this age much faster it wasn't like all these tools wasn't available before right so now there's so much stuff going on but at the same time i have a question because of that there's a lot of people again you know like warren buffett and you know like all these multi-billionaires preaching you know some of those are saying listen you need to go and diversify and some of those saying no just focus on one thing and invest into that you know and just it you know whatever the quote was you know like watch the basket invest into the basket and watch the basket or the egg nest or something like that right mm -hmm. so what, what is your thoughts about you know should people invest just in one you know vehicle you know if that's if that's what they, what they want to invest in let's say real estate or still invest in real estate and go and diversify across multiple you know asset classes uh, I know David is going to, he's going to have a lot more. To, he's better at that, um, I would say, analysis and all that. I do want to just step in and kind of intro this particular topic because this, the word diversification is thrown around on a regular basis, mm -hmm. but the way that traditional planning normally does diversification, I'll say it, it's a joke. Because if you're telling me that my plan is diversified, here's, here's what most of the time that means you're gonna put me in some sort of balance allocation between stocks and bonds, right? So from a basic just understanding, when stocks go up, bonds go down. 
When stocks go down, bonds go up. So all you're doing at this point is mitigating losses and mitigating your gains, mm. right? And then when we look at it, if you're overbalanced towards one or the other, then you're either not earning enough or you're overexposed to risk, which when we look at it, bad years do more bad than good years do good. If you see a 25% drop in the market, you have to earn 33 just to get back to square one. A 50% drop in the market makes you have to earn 102. Yeah. yeah, it's not linear, it's exponential. So my point is, if you're overexposed to loss, you're not able to make it up. If you're underexposed to loss, you're not able to make up for it. So when you're diversifying, and, and that's not diversified, that's intercorrelated, okay? So they are directly related. And that's why Warren Buffett has said diversification is protection against, is, uh, protection against ignorance. Yep. Because most people are doing it that way and you're ignorant, so you don't know what you're doing, so you just kind of throw it out there. Now, when we're talking about a truly diversified plan, this is one, and David kind of referred to this earlier, when the market goes up, your other account, your, your safety opportunity fund also goes up. When the market goes down, guess what? Your opportunity fund is still going up. So regardless of your economic situation, you need to be in a position where you're consistently earning on a regular basis. We always refer to the, the baseball, right? You can have your home run hitter all the time, but you need that base hitter who's going to be consistently getting singles and doubles for you. You need both of them on your team, and that's where you're going to see the most success. And what's interesting, kind of going back to the traditional stock and bond allocation, usually it's one up, one down, and vice versa. Back in 2008, 2009, we saw everything go down at the same time, right? We yep. just saw the same thing happen at the beginning of this year with the COVID, right? With all of the COVID crash that we saw, stock market, right? It's going down and the Fed's answer was what? Lower interest rates. Mm -hmm. So it's not something where that, that's not diversified. They're intercorrelated. Traditional diversification is a joke. It's just another way for them to get assets under management. So when you say, should you be investing in other vehicles? And, and yes, but it has to be done in a way that you have uncorrelated assets. And that's going to be true diversification. And that's what's going to provide the most, uh, I would say the most value in anybody's plan. So I know David's going to want to expand on that too. No, you, you pretty much covered, covered it all. Um, you know, you, Warren Buffett's quote, right? Diversification is the offset of, of ignorance. And he's specifically talking about stock diversification. When you go in and people... I got their pretty little pie chart with different colors, right? And they feel comfy because, oh, they're, they're diversified. But like Eric said, <laughs> it's really just, you've got one that's up, one that's down. Where are you really? So I think when you, when and Buffett was specifically talking about that. Now, if you look at stepping back and full diversification amongst asset classes and real estate investments, um, protection assets, right? That's where true diversification comes in. And that's kind of back to what I was saying is you got to understand what, what are the, first understand what do you need in your financial tool bag, accumulation tools, protection assets, uncorrelated assets, right? And then in each category, what are the type of tools that fit in that category, right? And then just say, okay, you know, this is what, you know, multifamily, this is what I want to go after, single family, right? Or real estate or investing, right? And then just focus on that bucket as your accumulation tool and go all in on that as your accumulation, but also have these other types of tools that allow you the protection, allow you opportunity funds. So, so yeah, it, it, I think it does. It all starts with really, and this is where a lot of people lack, is just understanding what do they need in their financial tool bag and, and get away from the fact that rate of return is not the most and only thing to focus on. We have to understand taxes because mitigating wealth eroding factors like tax strategies are going to have way more compounding effects on your total growth than getting rates of return in investments currently. So, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just understanding what you need to have in your tool bag, where the, what the tools are, and then say, okay, this is how I want to position myself and then go all in, right? I mean, go all in on the accumulation side, make sure that you're investing in the, the other assets as well. And, um, and then it becomes, kind of where I'm at in, in a position in my life now. And I'm at where I kind of feel like I have different pockets that do different things of money. And sometimes I fill one pocket a little bit more and timing, cause that's really huge market timing and shifting of different assets. And now I fill another pocket, right? Because that's the timing aspect uh, of it. And, and, and that's where you'll find that, okay, now I'm in a position to where I have growth, I have opportunity funds, I have protection, my assets are protected, I have tax strategies, 
that are, are allowing me to double up on tax strategies, tax loopholes that are out there, different things. Um, and, and it really just comes into, you know, fully understanding what, what are all involved in each one of these asset classes and then going all in. Yeah, I love what you said three times. I said, go all the way in. Because I think that's what lacks, you know, because a lot of people want to create that wealth. They want to live good. They want to leave something, you know, for other maybe the generations as well. But, you know, I think it's very important kind of, you know, find out again what you want to be invested in and just go full in. Because what's happening in this market, if you are, you're probably seeing some people when they're pulling out the money, they're, they're liquid. Maybe they have some equity. Now they have cash available. But what are they doing with it? They're buying the beer because they're sitting at home all the day and, you know, that's nothing else to do. And they're watching, you know, Netflix. Yeah. So you're not going to create wealth by doing those things, you know, just investing and pulling money out. And, you know, like what you mentioned with Warren Buffett and the stock market, I don't think that it's possible to create wealth if you just invest, you know, two grand in here, two grand in there and kind of, you know, scattered all over the place. And, you you know, because look like Warren Buffett, he buys 51% of the company. So he goes all in. Right. <laughs> yeah. He goes all in. He goes all in and he makes big decisions. And you know, that, that I mean we're talking about, you know, multi billion dollar companies. So talking about, you know, like I'll give you example. So let's say going all in. So I have the 50k and that's kind of you know the money that I have available on the side. I am I'm, I'm kind of looking to invest on in a position to do that. And I'm looking at the stock market, I'm looking at real estate. So maybe you can give examples what I can do with a 50K investing, you know, maybe multiple, you know, um, stocks or bonds or mutual funds and investing in the real estate. What will be the difference? Well, um, what, you're, what you're looking for, and I'm going to do the same thing. I've kind of got like a little bit of a, and David is my detailed, like engineer minded kind of guy. So he'll go into more detail on it always, but um, it's going to depend on what it is that you're wanting to do and what are you wanting to accomplish with that. So real estate usually is a buy and hold type strategy where you are wanting to generate some cash flow and have forced appreciation. That is the general understanding of what real estate is for. Um, the stock market, kind of like back to what David said, when you're, you have to understand the timing that you're in. And that's going to actually dictate what you're trying to accomplish. So like, for example, right now with these massive, you know, volatility swings we have in the market, this could be a good opportunity to do some buy and sell trades on a regular quick basis, right? I mean, there's people who are going out and buying some options and just doing quick day trades because the volatility is there that they can lock in a low, a, a low purchase and a high sell all in the same day. In a regular market environment, it's not usually that way. It's just a little up and down ticks along the way. So at that point, stock market investing is more of, again, another long-term buy and sell. Now, if you look at it on real estate, you could see there are some shorter term, um, I guess, quick acceleration of, of growth. You know, there's the single family development, there's the um, wholesaling and flipping and all of that. So there are a couple different ways to invest in each asset class. So David, I'll let you continue to kind of go into yeah. more detail on that. Yeah. So I'll start by saying number one, what I've realized in my 17 years of financial uh, background is that nobody builds prosperity through the stock market, really. Um, the mass affluent, wow. um, some day traders, some people that will throw some money and there's a few, but on the mass affluent scale, um, just go to the, the, the Dowbar reports and you'll see what the average investor actually nets on their balanced funds over the years, net fees and taxes. So, so I really, I, I think you have to understand, you know, what, if you're going to throw money in the market, because again, timing is key. And if you look at right now, everything's so low, it has bounced back up quite a bit, but earnings haven't come out yet. So we really don't know what kind of lagging indicator. So I don't think that right now would necessarily be the time unless you just said, okay, I'm going to put some money in and I'm okay with it going down some more. And either I'm going to, like Erica said, I'm just going to swing trade, which is what I'm currently doing. I haven't invested in the market since 2012, 2013. I've been waiting for this time to now get in because it's a timing, timing where I can go in and swing trade. But I think if you're looking at it long-term, you have to understand one, that if you are going to put money in the market, you need to understand what the market is, how it functions, your, your restrictions to it in the future, right? Can't access it till 59 and a half. Uh, you need to understand the sequence of returns risk. You need to understand what does that saved money in the market actually do for you when it comes to income later on down the road. 
So I think that that really the market, to be honest, in my opinion, I think is the least efficient way to build any sort of cash flow um, and build prosperity. Now, is it is it a quick buck right now to get some money in and have some gains? Yes, I, th I think that it would be in the long term. Um, but I really, I'm I'm just um, I'm such an advocate for kind of a, a real estate investment portfolio and maybe start out as passive, right? There's multifamily passive investments. I think that what we're going to see in the coming months is we're going to see the syndicators who have gotten into deals and have not underwritten the deals properly, didn't do the correct stress tests, didn't, under, didn't really include property management companies in their underwriting, and they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And so you're going to see some of the big guys come in, swoop in, get the deals. And so there will be some great passive investments that way. There's also single family passive investments. Eric and I have some opportunities for single family passive investments, 70, 80% returns, six months or so, right? So there's definitely some opportunities out there. Um, I think, again, it's just so hard to tell somebody what to do without them knowing, you know, what first, what are you trying to accomplish? And do you fully understand what putting 50,000 in the stock market right now does long-term and what that's going to do for you? Because I'm a big advocate, it's not about the bucket of money, right? Like, Martinez, if I said, hey, I got a million dollars, right? Let's go to Vegas, right? Got a million dollars in my trunk. And I come pick <laughs> it up and I'm like, look, this is play money. I got a million dollars, right? We're millionaires. And we break down in the middle of the desert and our phone service doesn't work. No cars around. But hey, we're millionaires, right? Yeah. How good is that million dollars at that point? Yeah, right. It's, it would only be good if it becomes where we're there long enough. And we need to use it for kennelin or wipes. Right. I mean, that's it. And then it becomes valuable again. So my whole point is it's about what the money does for you. So when you're investing in something and again, that's just understanding past the return part of it. What is it going to do for me when it comes to cash flow, when it comes to working for me long term? So again, that's where I think it's, it's just hard to say, hey, this is what you need to do, because do you, Martinez, right? If, you, if you're asking me personally, do you understand sequence of returns risk? Do you understand safe withdrawal rates when it comes time for income? Do you understand the penalties, time frames? Um, do you understand the, you know, um, what's actually going on in the market and the dead cat bounce that's happening right now before it falls again with all of the earnings reports that come out, right? So it's such a hard thing to understand. And this all comes back to people just not knowing, just throwing darts at things, thinking that's going to get them the best return. And they got Bob, their neighbor, saying, oh, now's the time to buy, you know, and, and they just- I read it in Wall Street. Yeah. I read it in Wall yeah, Street. Yeah, and Wall Street yeah. and Main Street are so old, much. Old so, news, right? so, yeah, that's what's happening. And I, I, I love what you said, David, about, you know, I think the problem is, you know, what you're saying, if, uh, and Erica and David, both of you saying, like, you need to find out what results you want to get from that. And I think at this current moment, like, just speaking from what I see, I think people don't even want to look. They, they just need the something, you know, and that's why they're throwing these darts. Maybe I'm going to hit into something because don't, they don't even know, again, you know, what you mentioned before. Like, I don't know the terms. I don't know anything about that. So, again, it's mm -hmm. like I'm going to leave that for Wall Street kind of decide, you know, like whatever, you know, the, the Fox News. But, yeah, you definitely need, you know, somebody just like you guys because there is a lot going on in the market. And, again, like I'm full-time business owner. Like I don't have the time to go and figure out what's going on in the stock market, real estate, all these different things. And, like, I'm, I'm just too busy to figure all these things out. It's, it's very important for me to know. But, like, you, you're the inside people. So you kind of have the, the right information to, to pull the trigger. I know where to invest and to get the best return in the cash flow, which I think is more important right now than anything else where there's 22 million, I don't know the current number, 22 million people unemployed in the States, just. Mm -hmm. So what's happening all over the world? I mean, it's crazy. So people, I think that word cash flow has to be going around more than, you know, stock market, bonds, and, you know, ETFs and all that, because that's what people need. People need income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they need all the all the time. And it's, and I'll say this, people don't realize it, but that is the most, the most important aspect of your financial plan is being able to generate cash flow. And David referred to this earlier with sequence of returns and safe withdrawal risk. Whether you do real estate or not, those people who are throwing money into their IRA and 401k and getting their match, well, one, like you said, they're just leaving it up to Wall Street, which is the same thing that David started with, which is this, this strategy of hope. We're just hoping it all works out. 
-hmm. We need to understand and talk to and make sure the people we're working with understand what we're trying to accomplish. Because if we were to poll everybody in the entire U.S. world, doesn't matter. Every single person putting money into their 401k, IRA, some sort of long-term plan, they're all trying to accomplish the same thing which yeah. is they want to one day give up the ability to go out and earn an income because now they can create their own. Yeah. That's what they want. They want to be able to generate their own cash flow. Yeah. And the Wall Street traditional, right, most financial people are really good about telling them, hey, here's how you put money in the account. Here's how you get money into our business. But how many people, you know, 65, 66, 67 years old that are ready to retire, how many people actually know not just how much money they have, but how much can they take out every year? How long is it gonna last? And what's gonna happen? How many years of buffer do I have for years like this? Can you imagine retiring in 2019 and then this happens this year? That's devastating. It's the same thing that happened to people who retired in the peak in 2007. You don't know what's gonna happen the year you retire, but if you have a plan and you know, here's how much I can take out, here's how long it's gonna last, and here's how I buffer years of volatility, that's when you have a true strategy and a true plan. Yeah. And, and whenever we're talking, and David mentioned, it's hard to know, right, what it is that we need for people. Again, like I said, I, I speak in analogies, I speak in stories. If you were to go into your doctor's office and say, hey, doc, what can you prescribe me? Like, what, what, what do I need to take? And the doctor would look at you like you're crazy and think, I don't know, right? Like, what are your symptoms? What are you allergic to? What is your family medical history? I know nothing about you. So when people, I, I, we get that pretty regularly, like, hey, what should I do? And it's like, I don't know. We have to go through a diagnostic process to understand you, your situation, your plan, your goals. And then from there, we'll be able to make an assessment and figure out, hey, this is actually what's going to work for you based on your individual specifics. I'm going to tell you something. If you go walk up to somebody, a regular financial advisor, and you say, hey, what should I, uh, what should I put my money in? And they answer you right off the bat without knowing anything about you. Run. Put it in West End. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, run, run for that person is trying to sell you whatever their company pays them to sell you. And that's that's a lot of what we see in, in today's planning process. Yeah. yeah. And another thing I'll harp on this too is um, education is big too, because you can tell somebody what to do, but how long does that last? Right. So what Eric and I try to do as well is not only help a person understand the, the, the plan and, and what their goal is, what they're trying to accomplish, but educate them so that they know how to make better financial decisions. Right. With these certain products going forward. Right. So we actually it's a it's a teaching process to understand. And once you once you get to a place where you understand all of the financial tools and how they work, it's it really is not a very difficult thing at that point. And then you understand the cycles and, you know, and you position yourself to use stuff on the upside, use stuff on the downside. You have the tools available to take, you know, to, to, um, you know, to take advantage of an opportunity or ride the upside. So again, education is definitely key. But when we talk about cash flow, right? I mean, people, what are people truly chasing? They're chasing freedom and peace, really. That's it, right? And financial peace is, financial peace, does it come in a number? What, tell me how many dollars is financial peace to you? For me personally? I mean, 10 million. One million, hundred million, hundred, hundred, hundred. Let's say hundred. Maybe, maybe. What happens if hyperinflation spikes and just you know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe it, it, it. The bag of money is not what we're really trying. Most people are looking at that. And I remember there was this old commercial. I can't remember. It was a few years ago. I can't remember what company it was. But everybody's walking around with this big number, right? And they're walking down the street and they're holding this big number and they're like, "Hey, Bob, what's that?" And he's like, "Oh, that's my number. I need for retirement, and I'm on track, and blah blah blah, and I'll be okay." And it's like. Wow. I mean, people just lose sight of this and they're looking at that. Based that on number. Yeah. And it's really just, no, it's more so positioning. Cause I would rather have less money total, but be in a position to have more take home pay for the rest of my life. Right. Because true financial peace is when your income exceeds your expenses for the rest of your life. It does. So tell me how much money that is. You don't, we don't know. Right. So it's not about the bag of money. It's about understanding position, the asset, to generate max cash flow and tax strategies are huge. A lot of people lose sight of the tax strategies too, because yep. they, so many people throw their money in this income tax bucket, right? The uncle Sam kind of dangles that carrot out there. Hey, throw money in here. You don't have to pay taxes now. Mm -hmm. And I can show, I can show people on calculations how uncle Sam makes more of a percentage on your tax deferred dollars invested in the market than you, you would as a consumer investing. 
right? So it's, you got to understand that that's, that is the bucket. That's how it works. What are the other buckets? What is the tax taxable bucket? Tax deferred? What's the tax free bucket? How do I position myself to be able to draw from each one, have max upside on accumulation, have the ability to pull out max tax free income? And again, it comes down to really just saying, hey, these are the types of products. This is what they do. And then understanding the foundation and then, okay, what do now that you know the bucket of accumulation tools, which one feels right to you? And then like, like we said, go all in on that, but make sure that you have the tax strategies and the protection strategies as well. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about the tax strategies, again, you guys mentioned like um, you have some available opportunities for the single family home investing and you mentioned multifamily, so commercial properties. So if we're going to look at the, like, cause you, you've been, you've been, you've been part of the wall street, you know, stock market before, right? So mm -hmm. talking about like, okay, if, if the stock market is not available, cause we're talking like, if we need the cash flow, if you need, you know, that income coming in every month and we don't know if we're going to get that from a stock market. Cause again, there's, you have to pay the fees and you don't know what's going to happen. You're kind of crossing the fingers and, you know, having this, you know, strategy of uh, wishing and hoping. So what about real estate that you think, you know, being an insider and being actively again in the deals, why do you think people should go and invest? Cause I know there's tremendous tax advantages and you know, the cash flow. So can you talk about that a little bit to, to kind of get people like, to more understand like what is real estate investing because we see these quotes floating on social media all the time like landlords grow rich in their sleep and all of that stuff so it, it sounds appealing but again we don't know a lot of stuff about that so maybe you can cover a few things for people to understand what's going on well i think there's an element of control within real estate because you have a tangible asset that's there that at some point it's going to be of some sort of value. So I will not say that real estate is a silver bullet. So I'm just going to get that out there first. It is a, it is an awesome investment opportunity. Like you said, with the taxes, with the cash flow, um, it's not a silver bullet, but I will say we typically in a, in a regular type of a economy setting, even right now, yes, 2008, 2009, we had that, that bubble of real estate specifically, but that was due to uh, errors that were made on the lending side. But when we're looking at it, when we're taking smart loans and doing all of that, our real estate values are not going to have as massive of swings. And we're not going to, we have a little bit of a, basically a recession buffer within real estate. So that helps. We also have the ability to do forced appreciation. Most people who are doing real estate investing are taking these B and C class properties, upgrading them. So you have that forced appreciation. So it's, it's worth more because you've added those improvements to it. And then of course with cash flow, people always are going to need somewhere to live. And we're seeing that, you know, the millennials and Gen Z are not buying homes as, as much as soon as early. They, people are renting more. Um, they have like this wanderlust spirit, right? Where they may want to be able to be free and go and travel for a month or two. But the point is there are always going to be people that need to live somewhere. And when you're, when you're able to provide a hub for people to live in, you're going to have that consistent flow. Now, when we look at single family, if you own one home, obviously you're exposed to whether that one renter pays or not. And that's why people like multifamily, because now you have 100, 200, sometimes even 300 units, where if you don't have one renter pay, it's offset by the other ones that are there. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's more stability, there's more control, you have a tangible asset, but also back to your question with the tax benefits, you have, right, the, the accelerated depreciation. Um, and when we're looking at being able to write off the gains that you're getting from real estate, and then if you're involved in real estate actively, you can even take more. That's not something that's offered in Wall Street, right? And it's not something that is taught to us on a regular basis. And me personally, I mean, why, why would they want to teach the mass affluent how to be efficient with taxes and how to generate their own cash flow? right? That doesn't really put more money in the government's pocket. Yeah. And again, with real estate, it's, it's more stable. There's that buffer. You have forced, forced appreciation. You have accelerated depreciation to get your tax liability lower. And then you have more consistent cash flow because people are always going to need somewhere to live. They need food, shelter, and water. Yeah. That's what they yeah. And if we, I mean, the, the simply put, the, there's so much that the government does for tax incentives for real estate. I mean, they always have. Look at some of the big tycoons. They, they didn't make money in stocks. I mean, Trump, 
I mean, he's made money multifamily. I mean, that's his, that's where he made money. And when he talks about, you know, politics aside or your views or whatever, when he was asked, you know, Hey, when Hillary kind of coined him, Hey, you don't, you don't, you don't pay taxes, whatever. And he's like, that's because I'm smart. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's true. He's not doing anything, not doing anything shady or anything. He just understands how to, to yeah. really be efficient. And, and real estate is definitely key to that. And, and look, I mean, again, timing, right? A, a perfect timing or a perfect example of timing is a specific client that I just talked to a few months ago, um, was wanting to transition to real estate, has done a great job over the last 10 years on this upside, putting money into the market, right? And I'm basically sit down with them. I said, great, hey, you've been a great saver. And that's what that is used for. It's, it's kind of a forced savings vehicle. And so he's been a great saver. He's had great upside. I said, look, you're in a prime position now to transition into a commercial real estate because all of the, you're going to sell out at the top. And what, what, is the, what do we do with stocks? And people forget this. Buy low, sell high, right? And most people are like, no, I'm not going to sell until it tanks. And oh my gosh, panic sell. And basically sell. just bought high all the way up and then sold low. I mean, what the heck? No wonder nobody's getting anywhere. But, but sell high. Now, what happens when you sell out of some of these? You've got capital gains tax. Yep. Well, you transition those into real estate. Well, guess what real estate does? So now you capitalize, you solidify all of your gains in the market, take your money and run, right? Now you're going to have a tax burden, but what you do is shift it into real estate and all of those forced depreciation deductions offset the taxes that you just you know, got hit with pulling out of the money. So now you take all your gains, you save the taxes on them, you shift them into another asset because you know, what happens now, now you've got this market drop. So now you've got this bottom feeding going on and now what's gonna happen? It's gonna be a complete reset that just happened like it happened in 2008 and what happened in the last 10 years. So we're gonna have another 10 years soon of an upside. And so again, when I talk about pockets, right? And yeah. so now what he's gonna do is he's gonna shift into uh, multifamily He's going to ride these next few years, but also he's going to utilize cash flow to keep back to invest back in the market too. Yeah. And it's a rinse repeat on market cycles. It's a rinse repeat. So, and an example of timing and positioning yourself. Um, and then, of course, when you factor in like whole life insurance, a lot of people poo poo that asset right? But it's the only asset that's uncorrelated to the market. It doesn't have a sexy rate of return in five or six, 7%, but that's net fees and taxes every single year, no matter whatever happens in the market. So imagine having the, the right timing on your investments, real estate tax strategies, but also having money housed in a, in a place that is kind of an opportunity fund. It's kind of your banking system. So when we kind of get into a little bit of that infinite banking, yep. you're able to warehouse your liquidity dollars in a place that can now go and be used and borrow against to take advantage of and accelerate your savings in that opportunity time. So again, it's, it's just understanding the market timing, positioning yourself to be able to move assets around and get the most tax benefits, solidify gains, and just position yourself to take advantage. I mean, millionaires, billionaires are created through recessions, right? And it's all scalable. Doesn't matter how many zeros, we all want more zeros, but it doesn't matter. It's a time of being able, if you do it right, it's a time of growth. And it's not, it's not like we look at this at the expense of others, right? I mean, I don't root for a downfall at the expense of others. I just know that these are the cycles that happen. And when they happen, just no matter what's happening to everybody else, am I positioned to be able to better myself, to get through this ahead, to break through higher in my financial plan? you guys are smart you guys are smart you you, you are the wealth pl financial planner you're not you sorry the wealth planners so you guys you know the game you know the way it works and again real estate is a great vehicle i have probably 20 questions in my head right now but but again with the time given we're probably just going to cover co cover a couple more but talking about the that. real estate there are so many great advantages talking about the cash flow like appreciate mm -hmm. appreciation depreciation like tax advantages like you mentioned if you just go from the stock market you don't pay the capital gain to go and invest in real estate and you can through the 1031 exchange like you can go on multiple properties like build build the you know the equity actually that you have in the deals and i mean millionaires are created with with those type of strategies so but Absolutely. like you just have to know the game and these people like david and eric they're they're pros at, at that so you know i'm very happy that you're you know joined us today to kind of explain what it actually takes you know to become wealthy 
which is actually there is some strategies you know but by the way it sounds you know there, there is and there's more details because you mentioned you know you touched a little bit about the infinite banking so if you don't mind you know just expanding that on, on that a little bit more because like I, i'm not familiar with that and i guess a lot of people watching thinking like what is that and how that can help me uh in my financial journey so maybe you can explain yeah well infinite banking is founded on what albert einstein calls the eighth wonder of the world and what he said was those who understand it earn it and those who don't pay it he's referring to compound interest right and so when we're when we are looking at infinite banking as a strategy we want to make sure that every single day of our lives we are earning interest because if we again if we don't earn interest we're paying interest so we're either making money or losing money period there's no in between so what infinite banking allows us to do is we create a warehouse of wealth we create our own bank where we are able to hold funds hold assets cash assets in this fund that is consistently earning a guaranteed rate of return it's earning dividends paid by the company every year again it's not a sexy rate of return but again when we talk about those base hits those singles and doubles i'm sorry getting five six seven percent every year tax-free not bad so we're getting those consistent increases that consistent earnings every single year and as our opportunity fund these assets are liquid they're tax-free we're able to take them out at any point and use them to go invest in whatever deal we want to so for example when we're putting if i'm putting money into a multifamily deal if i if i want to take fifty thousand out of my cash value and go put it into a real estate deal I can borrow it against myself. I'm borrowing from my bank that I own and I'm going to go invest in real estate and get whatever IRR, right? That, again, we've talked about the beauty of real estate. It's an awesome, uh, awesome accumulation asset. But what's happening is internally, even though I borrowed the 50,000 and I went and invested in real estate, well, because I borrowed it, the company is still giving me interest on the same 50,000. So Robert Kiyosaki, he talks about two things. Number one, he talks about um he talks about giving one dollar multiple jobs mm -hmm. literally what we're doing we have it earning in our infinite bank and we have it out invested in real estate it could be market whatever right the uh, single family multifamily doesn't matter we're out investing in real estate so we have it in two places earning two rates of return um, but in addition to that he talks about the velocity of money and i want to come back to what we've mentioned which is there's no such thing as a bad tool there's three different places you can save money. You can put it into a regular bank, you can put it into an investment, but the problem is you have to sacrifice, oh, you're either gonna get safety and liquidity, but no growth, or you're gonna try to get growth, but no safety and liquidity. Yeah. So what the infinite banking process has done is it creates this middle ground, right? We bridge the gap between the two because it's guaranteed to grow. So we have safety, liquidity, it's tax-free, and oh yeah, by the way, it's private. It's completely protected from creditors and predators, Warren Buffett himself refers to this asset as the vault. Mm -hmm. Meaning think of a vault like in your garage or basement, right? You can put money in when you want, you can take money out when you want. Who knows how much money is in your vault? Yeah, Nobody, is. right? Just mm -hmm. you, the IRS doesn't know, people who try to sue you don't know. Um, you know, we always talk about predators, it's, it's clumsy tenants, it's, you know, we, we live in Dallas-Fort Worth, so y'all know the traffic, all it takes is me to rear in one person and oh, my neck hurts. But the point is, it's, it's safe, it's liquid, it's tax-free, and it's creditor and predator protected. So we've bridged the gap between what most people do, which is either put it in the bank or invest it. So this is that middle ground where cash, the money is flowing from one box to the other consistently. So we have what I like to call this flow and grow of money consistently moving between all of the boxes every single day, every single year. Otherwise, it's gonna get stagnant. And when I think of stagnant, I think of like old, nasty, like, moldy water right so we want our dollars doing multiple jobs we want to have velocity of money but we have to have a place where we can warehouse our wealth in a way where we're going to get all these tax benefits we're going to be able to borrow earn multiple rates of return but it's also safe and liquid and protected because again like they've mentioned this is the only uncorrelated asset so regardless of what interest rates are doing in your bank or regardless of what your investments or your real estate portfolio is doing this is consistently earning a guaranteed interest and dividends every single year. So talking about true diversification, all three of these tools are designed to work together. And David, I don't know if you want to elaborate. I'll end, I'll end on this. Um, you know, banking is the most profitable business in the world. And in fact, 
in, in the eighties, they had interest rates. They were a lot higher now. Um, we'll, we won't get into the details right now. Maybe on the next show, we'll get into a little bit of details, but right now with low interest rates. And in fact, now the, the, the feds are getting basically infinite returns on borrowed money um, because they're really not having to pay anything. And you're warehousing your dollars at a bank. What is the bank doing? Are they leaving your money in the vault? Your money's multiply, not there. Multiply they're, they're, they're lending it out and they're getting what they call an arbitrage, a positive arbitrage, meaning positive money coming in on your money, right? So they're using your money to go and make money. So what you're doing is you're kind of taking a, just on a grand scale without getting into too much details, you're privatizing a banking system in utilizing an asset to warehouse your dollars to be able to bank on so that you can kind of in essence do the same thing that the banks do. You're actually borrowing against it, meaning the insurance company's lending you a collateralized loan basically. They'll say, oh, you got money in your account? Okay, well, we'll lend you money. We'll leave this growing. So you've got money growing compounded. Well, the insurance company's charging you interest, but you're paying down simple interest. So you've got compounded versus simple interest. So you end up using your money in another investment and you make a positive arbitrage internally. So when Erica talks about giving $1 multiple job, because you've got that dollar earning, you borrow against it, meaning you take the dollar out because you borrow against it and go invest in real estate, that dollar is still in there earning and compounded. Now you do you do, you're paying for your loan, but in essence, you're earning more than what your cost is to borrow the loan. So you have an internal return happening and you have the money outside. And then when you factor in 2008, these things earned, the Great Depression of 2020, you know, 29, these things earned. I mean, you've got these mutually owned insurance companies that are 150, 200 years old. Think about all the economic cycles. So when you really understand the three financial places you can put money, they're really the safest. Banks, right? And in 2008, did banks go under? They're, right? Into, and investment companies is the second. In 2008, were there investment companies that went under? Absolutely. And then insurance companies. In 2008, do you know of an insurance company that went under? Not one, right? So you have to understand those too. So it's a way to position your cash to be protected, to beat inflation, to have guaranteed growth, to have an opportunity fund. Oh yeah, and it concludes a death benefit that's permanent. So you lock in legacy, right? We talk about being able to transfer wealth the most efficient way. Um, so yeah, so it's just a way of understanding. Again, it comes down to understanding that asset. Well, but my buddy Joe says whole life is crap. Dave Ramsey says whole life is crap. Right. I mean, this guy says, whole compared to what? Doing what? Like, what are you trying? Oh, because that's your investment vehicle. Yeah, that's your investment vehicle. That's your accumulation vehicle. Yeah, it's crap. You got to work it in concert with your accumulation tools. So, again, it's, it's a wealth strategy to borrow against your own money. Wow. Love it, man. This, this, this is so insightful. I, like, I don't know even where to start after you finish that one, but definitely is. Like from the entire episode that I got in here, I mean, there's so many good pieces here for people to take away. I mean, if, if you didn't get, you know, uh, a pen and, you know, a pen and paper, you know, and didn't take any notes, you, you missed a lot. So go back and review, you know, the entire episode. And I'm, I'm sure, again, these people are true go-givers, you know, taking the time and just sharing with you, you know, the, the secrets, kind of what it takes into, you know, building and creating this wealth. And, you know, that's a lot to doing through, you know, tax advantages and again, real estate, mm -hmm. because you mentioned Robert Kiyosaki, you know, he, he wrote in a book, he said, look, the tax rules are created for the wealthy. It's not for the, you know, working class people. So, mm -hmm. and if you want to become wealthy, and that's exactly what David and Erica teaches, you know, you have to, you have to go through, you know, the process of learning what it takes to do. And, you know, like what Buffett says, if you want to mitigate the risk, you have to increase the knowingness. So these people can help you out, you know, to increase that knowingness because, you know, we mentioned before, they can teach you the things that actually can help you through go, you know, learn how does it work, you know, from the inside out. So, you know, I just love you guys. You know, you, you, you brought tremendous, you know, um, tremendous value for today's show. So before we're going to go, again, if you just share uh, your social medias, websites, whatever you have available so people can just jump on you and ask, start asking a bunch of questions. How do I get involved with you guys? Yeah, so real quick, and I'll let Erica finish up. We are actually in the process of branching out of our of a firm called Integrity Financial to start Infinity Investment Strategies, which will be Erica and I's kind of niche towards infinite banking real estate. Um, we're also starting a YouTube channel. We're going to call it Cashflow Informants. So awesome. we'll be Cashflow Informants. So we're actually going to kind of continue and expand on some of these strategies and conversations. And I'm sure, you know, we'll have you on and we kind of intermingle our 
channels and things. So yeah, be on the lookout for our YouTube channel, Cashflow Informants. Um, Erica, I'll let you kind of, uh, you know, finish up on where we are with the website and, and kind of release of everything. Yes. So our website is just, it's our company name. It's infinityinvestmentstrategies.com. Um, we are also same thing on, uh, Facebook and Instagram, infinity investment strategies. And of course, David and I, we have our own personal, um, Facebook and I don't know if David's on, are you on Instagram? Yes. Okay. So, uh, we're going to find, find, we're gonna find and include that everything that, sh that, you know, just to make sure that, you know, we're not going to miss anything. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, yes, awesome. everything is going to be there. Cause you, you're right. That's one thing I'm not on is Twitter, so there you won't find me there. <laughs> yeah, that's no problem, you know, because, you know, that's what it takes is just for people to reach out in one of the platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever that is. Because I think in this time where there's so much uncertainty going on currently, people need to start thinking about, you know, those cash flowing assets and, you know, vehicles that they can invest in. And, you know, because the industries, a lot of industries, they will be shaken. They're already shaken. So maybe, you know, a lot of businesses going away and they still will go away uh, because who knows when, you know, this thing will be over and when they're, when they're going to open up and say, Hey, listen, go back to the economy and just, you know, go back to the good times. But what's going on, you mentioned before with the hyperinflation and like people need to start thinking about, you know, protecting themselves and their family, close ones, you know, with uh, smart investments. So, right. and that's what you guys, you know, offer. So, you know, I really appreciate you guys for being today on the show. So guys, if you enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you did, I would appreciate if you left the like, subscribe to the channel. Again, go and check it out. David and Erica's social media channels, go and reach out to them, ask a bunch of great questions. Because as you see here, these people are just tremendous, you know, wealth of knowledge, you know, providing here for us today. So I appreciate you guys uh, being on the show. And as always, guys, I see you on the next episode. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Martina.